0: This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and your pioneer route here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Hi, this is Melissa K. Norris with Pioneering Today, and I'm so excited you're joining us today. We're going to be talking about today is um, part two of our Processed Replacement Series. So we're going to be talking about all kinds of things that you can make at home instead of buying the processed product in the grocery store. And if you missed part one, you can go to MelissaKNorris.com and click on the podcast button and all previous episodes are listed there. So you can listen to them there and look further into the resources and all the recipes and different things that we'll be giving today. You'll find links there so that you'll be able to um, print them out and look at them as well if you're in the car listening or not able to write them down. So today in part two... One thing I want to say too is, you know, we're, I'm going to be listing and, and we talked in the first episode about a lot of different ways and different recipes to make things homemade instead of purchasing them from a the store. And I know if you're just listening and you're hearing all of these things, sometimes it can almost be overwhelming. When I first started out on on what I want to call, I guess, would be a whole foods journey and doing more and more from scratch. You know, I already did, did cook, but I did use some processed ingredients um, to cook with is don't feel like you have to make every single thing in your kitchen from scratch right now today. It can be really overwhelming if you look at it that way. And if it's something is overwhelming, a lot of times you won't follow through with it. Or maybe that's just me. So I want to I want you to break this down. And just what we did was pick one thing. The first thing in your home or in your kitchen Look at the things that you buy that are are processed or you buy already pre-made from the store and choose the one thing that you and your family eat on almost a daily basis that's processed and then find a recipe, play around with it until you get that as a homemade, healthy, unprocessed version. And what I mean by unprocessed versus processed is using real whole food ingredients. So we're not going to be using chemicals. We're not going to be using preservatives we're going to be using things as close to their natural state as possible so what I mean by that is um, you can use wheat berries and grind your own flour or you can use already grown ground up flour um, if you are purchasing flour from the store I would recommend that you look at um, purchasing whole grains um, flours or organic um, 100% whole wheat don't purchase the bleached um, spelt flour is a great flour to use for baked goods. So look at using foods in their more natural whole state close as possible with the least amount of processing before you use them at home. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Um, and then after you have that, you feel comfortable with replacing that first item after you've done that and you've incorporated that into your guy's everyday life and your food habit, then look at the next item that you use the most frequently, And just work your way through your food source until all of the things you have are homemade versions that are are unprocessed versions as close as possible. So, you know, don't look at it and think that you have to do everything, every single recipe that I'm listing all at once. Just choose and pick and slowly incorporate this into your way of life. And that's kind of the way with any, um, you know, people talk about diets, health food movements, that kind of a thing. If you make it a lifestyle change, then you're more apt to stay with it. It's going to be something that you do long term. So that would be my advice if you're just easing into kind of, you know, the the more whole foods, traditional foods are another term um, that mean basically the same thing. So, and today we're going to move on um, and give you some more options for things to make um, at home versions. And one of the things that we really like at our house, especially with my kids, is chocolate <laughs> We love chocolate. In fact, my husband loves chocolate. And if we don't have chocolate at our house for more than a couple of days, I'll run to the store and buy some chocolate. So we really happen to like chocolate. Um, And one thing that my kids really love is chocolate milk. And I try not to sweeten their milk. We do buy organic, real milk. We don't have a milk cow yet. (laughs) We do have our chickens and we raise beef cattle, but we don't have um, our own milk at home. So I do purchase that from the store. But I don't. I like to make my own homemade chocolate sauce. And when you make your homemade chocolate sauce, one, it's very um, frugal. It's really easy to make. It stores in the fridge for a long time. There aren't any nasty chemicals in it. And you can use it for chocolate milk. You can use it to make your own homemade hot chocolate. I use it in my coffee to make my own homemade mochas. You can use it over ice cream. Uh, You know, there's just many, many different ways that you can use it. So, For um, the chocolate sauce recipe that I use, and this is also in my new book, Pioneering Today, A Homemade Christmas, and you can check that out on melissaknorris.com. So here's my recipe, and it's two tablespoons of melted butter, one tablespoon of flour, a half a cup sugar, and I always use the raw organic sugar, um, which is not GMO sugar. It is not made um, from sugar baits. It's made from sugar cane. And... It has eight tablespoons of cocoa, three quarters cup boiling water and one quarter cup warm milk. So you're going to blend the melted butter with flour and then in a medium saucepan over a low medium heat, you're going to add in the sugar and the cocoa powder. And then using a whisk, you're going to whisk in the boiling water and the milk. And you want to let the milk get hot and then remove the pot from the stove. Because if you boil it, which if you want to boil it, it makes a really great thick, um, kind of like a pudding. And it make, you can make it a thicker sauce if you let it boil, if you want to use have a thick sauce to go over like your ice cream or if you want like a pudding. Um, but if you want it to be a runny sauce, then just let it get, you know, everything heated together and then pull it off. And then um, once you pull it off, you can go ahead and put in a half a teaspoon of vanilla Um, And then you can serve it hot or cold. I just pour mine in a glass jar and I store it in the fridge, um, you know, in a little mason jar with a thing on And I've had mine in there for, oh, I think I've had it in there up to at least four or five weeks before I've had to make another batch. um, And it's just been fine. So that's uh, one of your options if you want to do have some homemade chocolate sauce. Um, in the cold months, it's great as hot chocolate. Just heat your milk up on the stove and then pour into the desired um, flavor. Feel like it really chocolatey or not? How much you use and to taste. Or and then if you like cold milk, it just you just stir it right in and it mixes right in with the milk. It's great. Um, and then the next thing that I want to give you, um, a lot of the times we you know we buy the prepaid mixes. Um, So Bisquick pancake mixes, you know, those kind of things. And you can make these at home um, because I'm all about, you know, there are times when we need to be speedy in the kitchen. And having up these pre-made mixes really allows us to still make nutritious, wholesome food at home uh, when we don't have a lot of time. So... This um, is from my friend Heather at the homesteadinghippie.com. And this is her homemade pancake mix and she let me share it with you guys. Um, It's part of her 30 days from scratch series, which uh, I'd encourage you to go and check out. She has a lot more um, in that series than what I'm sharing here. But homemade pancakes, a lot of people love. I know I like to do homemade pancakes. So her recipe is, she does 12 cups of whole wheat pastry flour, or a combination of white and wheat two tablespoons of baking powder, two tablespoons salt, and then four tablespoons of sugar. Um, she said she also uses um, second organic cane juice or another dry form of a sweetener. She says mix the above ingredients all together and store them in a tightly closed container. She says she puts hers in a gallon-sized glass jar on her pantry shelf, and she says she uses hers within six weeks. So... To use the mix, so if you want to make your pancakes, um, she said to use two cups of the pre-made mix with two eggs, two cups milk. She says she usually uses buttermilk. And then four tablespoons melted butter or coconut oil. Uh, Mix the wet ingredients together and then mix in gently with the dry until everything is just combined. Don't overmix it. You want the batter to be lumpy when we're doing pancakes. And then you just preheat your griddle and pour a quarter cup per pancake And just like you would normally cook your pancakes. Um, So that's one way you can do homemade pancake mix. And then I also have coming up next here is a homemade bisquick mix. And this is actually from um, another good friend of mine, Marie. And her website is myculturedpalette.com. And so this is her recipe for homemade bisquick. And hers is 10 cups of flour a third cup of baking powder, and one tablespoon salt. And I recommend um, using real sea salt. And then you're going to mix that with two cups of tallow. So tallow is from, um, she recommends using it from grass-fed beef. Um, it's the fat melted off of either, um, usually usually pork or beef is generally what tallow is made from. Um, it's where you melt melt the fat down and preserve it uh, you know, otherwise a lot lard, that kind of a thing. Um, you know, and also a lot of times if you, you can make your own, which is something we raise, um, and butcher our own grass fed beef. So, or you can a lot of times call up a local butcher and ask them if they will save some of the fat for you when they're butchering. Cause some people don't want all the extra fat. Um, and a lot of times butchers will do that and you can just go and purchase it from them. And then you can render that down and make your own tallow and lard. So there's a couple of different options there, or you could use um, basically two cups of any kind of fat. You could use coconut oil. Um, I've made homemade Bisquick mix before where I've used olive oil. So you basically just need a, a fat content in there. Um, so to mix this together, you're gonna use two knives and either a, a pastry cutter or a food processor. Um, Marisa, she just uses her hands and you wanna mix all of this together with the the fat that you choose until it's crumbly and then you're going to place it in a sealed container and she said it keeps three to six months in the refrigerator and then she also has um, a whole bunch of different recipes. Um, you can go and check that out at myculturedpalette.com. And just in her search button, type in homemade Bisquick. And she has a ton of recipes using the homemade Bisquick to make homemade, you know, different things for, um, you know, homemade dumplings, homemade biscuits, you know, anything that you would use Bisquick from. She showed you how to use this recipe in that for your at-home from scratch version. So you can go and check that out. And then another thing... I did mention we like chocolate, right? This is kind of turning into our chocolate episode. <laughs> so one thing that we all usually go and grab um, is brownies in a box. Because they're easy. You just usually add, what is it, water and oil, I think. Maybe an eight, a couple of eggs. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've used a box version of brownies, honestly. And so my friend Lori at commonsensehome.com has a really easy chocolate brownie recipe. She said, you'll never, ever buy brownies from a box again. Um... And she has some great things on. I actually reference her website a lot for different things. So um, you'll have fun going there. So for this one, she said she's adapted it from Hershey's Chocolate and Cocoa Cookbook. And so the ingredients are one cup sugar, a half a cup softened butter, a half a teaspoon vanilla, two eggs, a half cup all-purpose flour, unbleached and unbrominated, a third cup cocoa, preferably organic and fair trade certified. A quarter teaspoon baking powder and a quarter teaspoon salt. And then if you want to put nuts in it, you can do a half cup chopped nuts. That's optional. I'm kind of one of those weird people. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like nuts with my chocolate. Now I like chocolate covered nuts and I like nuts separately, but I don't like nuts in my brownies in cakes or in fudge. Bless my mother-in-law's heart. Whenever she makes fudge, she makes one batch without nuts just for me. She's so sweet. (laughs) And then she makes the other one for everybody else with nuts in it. So the nuts are dependent upon your taste. Um, So in a medium bowl, you're going to cream together your butter and sugar. You're going to add your eggs and vanilla and blend until it's smooth. And then in a separate bowl, sift together your dry ingredients. Gradually blend the dry ingredients into the sugar mixture, stirring until just blended. And and again, kind of like with the pancakes, don't overmix it. Then if you're going to put your nuts in, go ahead and add them now. Or you can sprinkle some of the nuts um, over the batter when you have the batter in the pan just prior to baking. So you're going to spread the batter evenly in a greased 8-inch square baking pan or an 8-inch round pan. Um, Lori says she uses likes to use an 8-inch Pyrex baking dish or she'll double the batch and use a 9-by-13 Pyrex baking dish. Um, bake. It says if you're going to bake in metal pans, bake for 30 to 35 minutes at 350 degrees. But for glass pans, bake for 30 to 35 minutes at 335 degrees or until just the edges are set. The center will kind of seem soft, but it, with brownies, the center will firm up as the brownies cool. So don't overbake it. Um, and it says only the edges should be set when you take it out of the pan. If they're coming out on the dry side, bake them for less or drop the temperature down or try a variation of both. And one thing is, so this would be how you would prepare it if you were going to make the pound of brownies to bake right then and there. But you can also mix up just the dry ingredients in a in a mason jar or, um, you know, Ziploc bag or, a you know, container with a lid and mix up just mix all of the dry ingredients together. And, and you want to layer them um, in there and then Write on a little card or have your recipe handy, and then you can just mix in the liquids just like you would a home, you know, the store bought making mixes. And then when you want to bake your brownies, just add your wet ingredients and then go ahead and bake. Then you can also do this, um, you know, Christmas is coming up. <laughs> so um, I've done lots of times. Um, actually, one year my mom gave me uh, brownies in a jar, and it was great because on New Year's Eve, we had a party to go to, and I actually had to work that day. And so when I got home, I really didn't have time to make anything to take to the party, but I don't like to go to places empty handed. And so I had that jar sitting on the counter that she'd given me for Christmas. And so I just really quick whipped it up, you know, put the wet ingredients in and baked it. And then I, you know, had homemade baked brownies to take with us. So you can even, um, you know, double up the recipe or triple it, you know, make a big batch to, if you bake brownies often. And then just do a, you know take a third of it right out the measurements that you would need to take out of the mix when you go to make it so you can definitely do up the dry ingredients ahead of time even to make things faster on these and so this is also from um, Lori which is common sense homesteading up next because we are getting into the holiday season I hope you're not cringing because I really love Christmas it's one of my favorite seasons so you'll be hearing lots of different holiday things from me and tips coming up as we get closer for homemade gifts and all that kind of thing um so one thing that she has to make at home is traditional eggnog so many people really like eggnog i've discovered most people with eggnog have a love or hate relationship they either really like it or they really don't um and my mom really likes eggnog and she likes to cut it actually with um like some uh 7up so you can a lot of people use eggnog lots of different ways um And so Lori's recipe here, she said she adapted it from the Betty Crocker's New Picture Cookbook. And she said, always remember to heat warm eggnog gently or you'll curdle your eggs. And she said, always use eggs from a source you know you can trust if you're eating them raw. Uh, We did did talk about that with the homemade mayonnaise on um, part one of the processed replacement series. So if you're in doubt, um, go for the hot eggnog and heat it through thoroughly. So, traditional eggnog is the recipe we're going to give first, and it's one egg well beaten, and then one to two tablespoons sugar or maple syrup, and one cup chilled milk with a quarter teaspoon vanilla. And nutmeg is optional. And then you whisk the egg and the sugar, or if you decided to use the syrup together, blend in the milk and vanilla. And then you just serve it cold in a tall glass, sprinkled lightly with the nutmeg, if you want the nutmeg, um, and then serve it immediately. And this just makes one serving. So if you're going to make it for a whole bunch of people, you'll want to, you know, do the math accordingly. Um, And then she also has, if you go to uh, commonsensehome.com and type in the eggnog on her eggnog post, she has a ton of variations. So she tells you how to do the hot eggnog, which if you're going to be using just regular eggs from the store, I would recommend doing, Um, or if you're, you know, if you're not comfortable with the raw egg thing, then you would want to use that method. And she has the recipe with directions how to do that there. Um, and also, if you go to uh, com and hit the podcast button, and then go to this episode um, of Process Replacements Part 2 on the podcast page, I will have links to all of these recipes for you and to their website. So it'll be easy for you to find them. And this one I had to share because, again, I mentioned my, my favorite thing there, the chocolate. So this is a chocolate eggnog um, from her is a chocolate eggnog with cocoa. So this one kind of sounds fun and I'm kind of one of those people where I'm not really that crazy about eggnog, but chocolate eggnog has me thinking, I think I'm gonna try this one. So we're gonna do one cup milk or she said you could do a half cup milk with a half cup cream and then three tablespoons of cocoa, one to two tablespoons maple syrup, a quarter teaspoon cinnamon and one small to medium egg. So you're going to mix all the ingredients together in a small saucepan, warm it gently on low heat, stirring it frequently until everything's all the way heated through. And this makes one serving. So at my house, I would definitely have to probably quadruple this because everybody at our house likes chocolate. Um, And she said you can serve this cold um, by blending all the ingredients together until well mixed. Um, but again, if you're questionable on your egg source, then go ahead and do that, the heated through one and being eggnog just traditionally seems, you know, it's kind of a holiday thing, at least where we live, it's usually pretty cool. So I tend to like the more heated drinks this time of year. Um, and then, so for our next thing on the processed ingredients that I want to give you is, these are my um, pioneering today, healthy, chunky granola bars. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, if you're on the go for breakfast or snacks or whatever, um, granola bars are something that we tend to grab. Um, but if you're buying the ones that are made, you know, with the, the, good, the good ingredients, uh, they can get kind of spendy. So this is for the, uh, my recipe for healthy, chunky granola bars. So these aren't the chewy ones. These are the crunchy ones. And you're gonna use five cups rolled oats, regular, not the quick kind three-quarters cup finely chopped pecans, a third cup maple syrup, a third cup packed brown sugar, half a cup coconut oil, one teaspoon vanilla, a quarter teaspoon salt, a half teaspoon cinnamon, and a quarter teaspoon nutmeg. And then we mix all of the dry ingredients together and then drizzle the liquids on top of the oats and mix it until the oats are all covered and moist. And then with a large spatula, you're going to press the granola firmly into a 7 by 11 pan. And I mean really firmly. I mean you want to really push it down, really compress it. And then you're going to bake it at 325 degrees for 20 to 25 minutes. Let it cool one hour before cutting and removing from pan. And don't use another size pan. Uh, The ingredients are really carefully measured. And if you alter the pan size, it will alter how these turn out. And again, be sure to press really firmly on the granola mixture. It should be really flat and when you go to cut it you're not going to get a, a clean cut because these are meant these are crunchy so you won't really get them in exactly uniform perfect size um, but my kids adore these they eat them up like super crazy fast um, so they're really good they're the crunchy one and you'll just get kind of you know they'll just kind of and I just store them um, you know you can store them in a ziplock bag you know just cover them up in the pan with you know something on top and you know or anything but you will want to cover them as you store them but they'll last um they're not all eaten in one day <laughs> you know they'll last for up for a couple weeks so um and then that is going to conclude today's part two of processed replacements um but we're going to be having we're going to be doing a part three and it's going to be all on holiday baking processed replacements. So I hope you join me for that one. This is Melissa with uh, 90.1 KSVU Community Radio, and I look forward to talking with you on our next episode.